1: Oklahoma business, down in El Reno, they're also in Bethany as well. So people in the Bethany area know the Diffies really well. But if you're looking for anything new used, um Ford Lincoln or whatever, I'm sure they could find anything you want. Um check them out, Diffyford.net and then on Instagram at DiffieFord Lincoln. This episode is presented by the Choctaw Nation. The Choctaw people have a rich history and a bright future. At the Choctaw Cultural Center, you can take part in a story 14,000 years in the making. Stroll through our immersive exhibits portraying Choctaw life from the moment our ancestors emerged from the Weiha in Mississippian homelands to the Trail of Tears, where we lost so many loved ones, and finally to the modern-day tribe making a positive impact on local communities throughout southeastern Oklahoma. Try your hand at our social dancing and stickball and learn more about our vibrant culture through demonstrations, workshops, and classes. The kids will have a blast in our Luxie Activity Center. The Choctaw Cultural Center is more than a museum. It's a living, breathing experience. Visit ChoctawCulturalCenter.com to plan your visit. This episode is brought to you by Hope is Alive. Hope is Alive exists to radically change the lives of drug addicts, alcoholics, and those who love them. Join us on August 11th at the National Cowboy and Western Heritage Museum for a celebration of hope featuring guest speaker Tim Tebow and musical artist Ben Fuller. Find out more and get your tickets at HIA10.com. This podcast is brought to you by the Oklahoma Beef Council. On behalf of Oklahoma's beef farmers and ranchers, we want to remind you that beef can be part of a heart healthy diet. To find heart healthy beef recipes, go to oklabeef.org forward slash recipes. Link below. What's up, guys? Welcome back to another episode of This is Oklahoma. Mike and here, host, back with another episode up in Stillwater, Oklahoma. Today, we are in cowboy country. I love coming up here. Because I am an OSU fan. Uh, and It's fun to come up and have a coffee. And I didn't have any cheese fries yet, but I might sneak some on the way home. Uh, It's just the greatest place in the world. Uh, My guests today are Morgan Pfeiffer and Gretchen Mayfee to talk about uh, meat science. We are at the Department of Animal and Food Sciences at OSU. And it's going to be a very insightful episode today. Uh, we love talking about most of the meat stuff, especially in Oklahoma, because it's such a huge industry, but also because of our awesome sponsors and partners, the Oklahoma Beef Council, uh, who have set us up today. So excited to dive into your stories. But before we dive into the meat stuff, uh, ladies, tell me a little bit about you and how you ended up in this, uh, in this role at Oklahoma State. Who wants to go first?
2: I'll start. So I'm Gretchen Mayfee. I am originally from Alney, Texas. And I grew up on a farm and ranch, uh, rodeoing, showing livestock. I actually decided to go to college to be an accounting major and so I could keep rodeoing and be an accountant on the side. But I, when I got there, um, I met the meat science professor and I got involved in meat judging at Texas Tech. And from there, it's kind of history. So I went, uh, received my bachelor's degree at Texas Tech and was a member of the meat judging team. I went on to Colorado State for a master's degree and then back to Texas Tech for a PhD kind of moved around. I worked uh, at USDA in charge of meat grading standards when I finished up my PhD. Then I was at a small school in San Angelo, Texas for about four years where we got to build a meat lab and do a lot of really cool things. And I've been on faculty here at Oklahoma State in meat science for the past 17 years.
1: Okay. Been around then, right? <laughs> seen all, seen sure. all in the country. Yeah, it's really cool. <laughs> Baltimore,
0: what about you? So, my, mine's a little shorter, but I came, grew up in Colorado on a ranch, so really similar kind of backgrounds, and then came to OSU and I was going to be an attorney, that was my goal. I was a double major in Ag Communications and Animal Science, and I took the class to meat judge, and I thought I was really bad at it, but Dr. Maphy taught me everything, so she was my meat judging coach. And then I fell in love with the industry while I was judging and all the people, and that changed my whole career path. So I ended up staying here for both my master's and Ph.D., and then I actually worked in industry for a little bit at the Beef Council and the American Meat Science Association before I came back. Uh So I've been back since December of 2020.
1: Okay, so I'm in the presence of two doctors. Yes. (laughs)
2: Yes. <laughs>
1: Amazing. I am the odd one out. Um, I think the only chance I've got of getting a doctor is maybe if my university makes me an honorary doctorate. that's <laughs> probably it. Uh, haven't done my master's yet, but, well, who knows? Maybe I'll get a sponsor for the podcast that'll give me a free education, <laughs> and maybe I'll do it then. Um, but yeah, that's, uh, the both of you obviously grew up kind of on the ranch, and, and have a, it seems you have a love for, you know just the outdoors and I mean that's extremely hard work as we've talked about many times on this podcast um, and people who live under a rock think that ranching is you know a fun uh, not it is fun but it's not an easy job um you know there's a lot that goes into it uh, and, and i'm sure you know everyone that you see in this building that's either grown up on a ranch or is close to it has that work ethic right like mm-hmm. it's it's something that is hard to replicate i think especially in today's world where you know we grow up and we just want to get a white collar job and stick to our iphone and not kind of raise our finger but you guys are probably used to getting up at 3:30 in the morning and milking everything and doing all the ranching stuff so it's just a fun childhood i'm sure
2: for sure, in the unique thing about the meat industry is, and even our Department of Animal and Food Sciences, we have students from all backgrounds, and so rural and urban, and they get a passion for meat science, and there's so many unique job opportunities, whether it be out on the ranch or back um, in a facility or in academia there's so many cool opportunities so that's a really unique thing about meat science
1: yeah what um you know what kind of surprises i guess morgan what surprised you when you came here right both of you right you didn't come to you know you didn't expect to be in this role and you were kind of probably you know just taken back by it so what kind of surprised you both about meat science and and judging as well that you think you know what i want to be involved in that i think that could be a place for me
0: So I I grew up in Ag, but I had no idea that you could meet Judge, and I had no idea that you could have a career in meat science. So I think the opportunity to meet Judge introduced me to that, and then all the people that are involved, all the different walks of life they come from, it's just amazing. And the resilience of the people that work in the industry is crazy. So it was eye-opening for me, and I grew up in Ag, so people that don't grow up in Ag have no idea either. Yeah.
2: And the the really cool thing about meat science is you're still working with live animals, you have that opportunity, but you're you're feeding the world, mm-hmm. and you're working with people who make it high quality, who make it safe, who market, who keep food on people's plates. So you're the branch of the whole industry, and you're reaching, and that is so unique and and when we talk about meat scientists it's such a small group of people we really are a family mm-hmm. we get to know everybody um as i've had the privilege to serve as the president of american meat science association for the past year and we just held our annual convention in um minnesota and there were about a thousand attendees and it's just so great to catch up. Mm-hmm. We're really lucky we get to host that annual convention in Oklahoma City uh, next June. Mm-hmm. So great opportunity to show off and showcase what we have in Oklahoma. Yeah,
1: shout out to the new convention center. <laughs> <right>? <laughs> for sure. Yeah, thank you for building it. Uh, for people listening, who maybe we're you know we're six minutes into this and they're probably thinking, what is meat judging? What is it? Just for people listening that might have absolutely no idea, and I'm putting myself on that list as well. <laughs>
0: yeah. I'll start and then she can add on. So it's a competitive event. So people golf, people play football. It's similar to that, but you judge individually and then you put your scores together as a team. And so you learn about quality grading and yield grading, all these meat science things that are important to the industry, and then you go apply that in a competition setting. Okay. And so it's hard to explain without seeing. It would be really boring to watch, though. It's not like playing like <laughs> football. <laughs> so
1: they make you really hungry when you do it. <laughs> it's
0: not cooked, it's raw meat. Right. But so you're looking at it. Yeah, it's like walking into Texas good. Roadhouse, seeing that counter, <laughs> and
1: thinking, mm, yeah. <laughs> I'd like some of that.
0: <laughs> yeah. But it's a very unique opportunity, but it introduces students to so many companies and individuals in the industry. So outside of just judging, you get to go to these places where there's tons of
2: people that work in the industry and get to know them. Yeah. So in meat judging, we judge beef, pork, and lamb. So we judge carcasses and cuts, both. Um, Students on a collegiate level at a university can only be on that team one year. So we start those students in the fall of a year, and then they're on the team for the calendar year. So we teach them everything they need to know. They don't have to have experience. Like Morgan said, neither one of us knew about meat judging when we got here or got to our universities, and somebody taught us what we needed to know and so that's really cool you can take students that have no background or then there's competitive judging in 4-h and ffa and meat judging also and so we have some students that come in with a good amount of experience but it's one of those things it leads to um opportunities to travel the country. We go to some of not the greatest locations, maybe like Friona, Texas or uh Dodge City, Kansas, or but to go into these really large packing facilities that might slaughter six thousand head of beef a day or twenty five thousand hogs. Um It's it's a really eye opening to the industry and it exposes you to so many things. Uh, That unique opportunity is just invaluable and something we can't teach in the classroom. Right?
1: Yeah, and I mean, when you look at the meat industry, right, the beef industry, or just animals in general, it's such a massive industry Mm -hmm. in this country and all over the world too. And you know, when like you said, you earlier you know it's not something you generally wake up in the morning and think you know what I'm going to be in judging and I'm Mm -hmm. going to be doing this for the rest of my life and you know get my doctorate and do all that but like you said when you were both kind of open to it it gets exciting it Mm -hmm. kind of draws you in and and I know there's like scholarships available as well right for students Mm -hmm. to get them into it when someone comes to you and and, you know or maybe even similar to your own story you know you you have the opportunity to go judge and, and you get a scholarship for it what after you do that what is like the jobs that you could lead into? Obviously you guys work for university, right? Mm-hmm. What is the jobs out there as well in the industry that people can come in and students are come in to see? You know, yeah, it's great. I have a scholarship for one year, but what's the greater picture? What does that look like for a career as well?
2: so there's so many things so we have people that are in academia or maybe in government at usda they can be in food safety or meat grading standards or they could be uh, working with school lunch programs uh, on the food safety side for different companies to make sure they're providing that uh, safe high quality product through um, food safety interventions quality assurance um, so, those are unique opportunities, sales and marketing of product operations in the facilities, whether it be uh, manage, we have students that have gone on to manage entire huge facilities right. research and development to make cool new products that you see at the grocery store like some of we have students that develop like the dino nuggets that you see that tyson produces so there's just uh the i can list so many things maybe you go back to certified angus beef we have alumni that are with certified angus beef tyson cargill seaboard the list just right. goes on of major companies to then even small companies yeah. so here in Oklahoma to across the United States. And then even globally, if you have students that have an interest in going into some of these global markets. So
1: -hmm. So generally an idea, uh, uh, just a, we want to be in the food industry somewhat, they Mm -hmm. come here and then that gives them a start, I guess, where they go. And then if they do the master's and PhD, it goes even further than that. Most Mm -hmm. definitely. Okay. Yeah. That's a lot. I mean, super insightful because, you know, a lot of people generally i think speaking they they don't know how how people get into that role mm-hmm. right they just go to university think, oh i might just get a business degree or go to the, you know an ag business degree mm-hmm. and then you go from there but obviously there's a lot more to it than <laughs> yeah. You know, and then especially if you get into the judging side as well so was it kind of similar for you like that's the similar story for you you both like this is kind of how you got here and and you know i know you touched on it briefly earlier but just you know the whole process and and it's fascinating, right? When you look yeah. back and you're like, how have I ended up in Silver Oklahoma growing up in, you know, Colorado and Texas? So it's super fascinating.
2: I think so. I think that um, meat judging just opened so many doors mm-hmm. and it helped develop a passion for something and an industry that is so critical mm-hmm. to um, obviously our way of life and our economy and that and sustainable agriculture and just providing food. So I think that as you think about it and you think about what you can do through meat science and then on top of that, giving back to training students for the future and the future of our industry, um, that really helps keep you going each day through yeah. your career. Mm-hmm.
1: How, how does um, the facility here and everything you guys do stack up to places around the country?
0: Like in our department? Yeah, like just Oklahoma
1: State's, you know.
0: So we have a a huge undergraduate population in our animal and food science department, one of the biggest in the nation. And within that, we have a lot of students that were like us and had no idea until they take that meats class that they really want to focus on meat science or food science. And so it's an introduction for them to take that, and then they decide wow, I mean, there's tons of careers with a bachelors in this area, too. So they figure out through our classes that it's something that interests them. But I would say
2: in terms of numbers and all of that, we stack up pretty mm-hmm. high. And then like specifically to our facility. So we are very unique and we have the Food and Agriculture Product Center, which is attached to our animal science building. And that center was built um, with in mind of attracting industry to come here and do research and develop products. But we get to use that facility because it houses our meat lab and it is one of the nicest in the country. Um, it is uh, a little over 25 years old now, so it's got some age, but it is state of the art. It is very large and it's uh, it has our ability for very hands on work. So our students in our classes get to see the entire process of slaughter to sausage manufacturing ham, bacon, processing, every single thing, meat, and that is unique in that regard because there's only a few universities in the country that can offer that. And our facility definitely helps set us apart.
1: Yeah, it makes a huge difference when you can see, like, start to finish, mm-hmm. right? Rather than just, oh, this is just a point in the process. But you've got to go somewhere else to see the rest of it. When mm-hmm. you can see everything, it definitely helps, you know, break it down and make it, you know, it, visually is just much easier to learn that way, right? right? Rather than like, oh, just imagine what could be happening here. <laughs> but it's somewhere else, you know, at the end of the country. How, how does that, like... You know obviously like the the greater impact here is when you know the general population is going to the meat counter right or they're you know wherever they're going if it's just a general store or if they're going to an actual you know butcher shop or whatever it is like how does that um kind of impact what 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 the customer sees like what because at the end like that they're the last people in the mm-hmm. line right Like, you can talk about that process obviously there's millions of points along that way, but what is the end process of what everything you guys do to make sure that the end product and the end consumer is getting what they, what they read on the label, I guess? Mm-hmm.
2: So one thing at OSU, and something we have been very fortunate, and we have another colleague, Dr. Ranjith Ramanathan, and he is a fantastic research scientist in meat science, and we've all been very fortunate to work in the area of meat color and packaging. And so to simulate how you would see that package in the store and to try to extend that color and shelf life of the product to improve uh, sales, to improve quality and safety to customers that they see actually in the store. So we do that uh, every day in research and we've really been able to embrace that as kind of a niche in our research program here at OSU to bring those products to consumers. So we really feel like we're making an impact through what research we do with meat packaging and color to the store for consumers. Yeah. And on the other parts of our mission, like
0: education, we're teaching obviously students who go out and teach consumers or share the message. And we do some extension work. None of us have an actual appointment in that but we you know do some outreach just like speaking about the quality audit and different research that we're doing at different events
1: yeah it's again i'm going to say it's fascinating stuff because you know i think when when you look at something and you dive into it and you're like there's so much that goes into just (laughs) buying a steak at the store right or you know buying a cut of meat or even a box from kind of you know the local you know, a lot of the farmers now are kind of having their own stores, right? And, and it's really cool to see because, you know, they're, they're selling it straight from kind of their own place and they're not worrying about getting cut down and cut down and going to Walmart or whatever it is. So, you know, um, Sherry Glazer was on a podcast and she was talking about, you know, all the stuff that she's doing and they opened up Glazer Farms and it's, mm-hmm. you know, it, it's a huge difference, but at the same time, like, education is key, right? You, you know, and, and there's a lot of consumers out there that appreciate buying straight from, the source, even though they might cost them a little more, they know where it's going and they see her and her kids and they're having a great time and, you know, doing all that <laughs> stuff. So it is really cool to see. And, and you know, Sherry's kind Excuse of doing me. her thing. You're good. And Rob, I just, I don't mind doing the podcast. You know, it's, as long as you're not dying in the corner, we're good to go.
0: Okay.
2: <laughs> right? sorry. I no, just... no,
1: you're good. You're, I, I have never had allergies at all and I have allergies like for the first time this year and no. it's just I have them so bad oh, it's the, <laughs> so bad sorry I lasted 10 years without having them and I've been here yeah 10-12 years now and it, now it's caught up with me <laughs> and now I feel your pain it is the worst <laughs> thing ever uh, what I was getting to was obviously you know Sherry has a big big kind of role especially in the Beef Council as well but how, how has it been different for women in the industry? That's what I'm trying to get to. How has it been different for you, you know, getting into the industry uh, when you did compared to, cause a lot of people probably look at the beef industry and just think men, farming, mm-hmm. ranching, you know, jeans, boots, hard work, <laughs> right? They, they don't think of doctors and, and men and women in, in a lab, somewhere talking about science. So what has it been like for you both to kind of, you know, I guess be a part of just the, this, this female surgeon in industry?
2: So I can start like I we were talking about like if you had who your first like female mentor was or teacher that person in the industry and I think back and it was hard for me to even think of any professor in college uh, I've, I thought of a couple but it's it's changed so much but there's definitely been people that have paved that way um Before me, there were um, people that I think of that are true leaders that have developed that. But you go and you look at our meat judging teams, you look at our student population, you look at our industry, and you just continue to see more women uh, that are leaders and running companies and, and making that big difference and influencing future generations and paving that path. And I think that is... Uh, something that's unique I've never thought of it as a woman coming into the industry and I never felt excluded or left out you just went in like you mentioned at the beginning of the podcast that work ethic and things that you do I think that if you have that and you have a passion for it you're going to be successful in whatever you do and I think I'm
0: fortunate because I came when there was enough women, you know, already in the industry to be your role models and to pave the path. So I would be that next generation, I think, where it was like, well, we can do it. There's, you know, women like Dr. Mayfee doing it. So yeah. I think and it, it's gotten that way even more so right. now.
1: Must be cool to have your mental in the room. <laughs> <laughs> like you're, both on the, you're on the podcast. Like it's. Um, yeah, and, and especially, you know, people probably think of, they look at the FFA and they look at the groups that are coming in and, you know, like you mentioned earlier, like rodeo and, and horse riding, it's, you know, that's probably where the kind of, it starts, right? Because, you know, you grow up on a ranch as a, as a woman, you think, I want a pony, I want to ride horses, mm-hmm. I want to do that, and then you get into, you know, this kind of like your gateway into the agricultural side of things rather than you know brushing horse hair <laughs> in a lab instead right which you know both were a lot of fun i'm sure um which reminds me i need to get back on a horse because like i had the worst experience as a kid and i'm like i've been out here long enough now i should probably yeah. get back into it um yeah it was not a good experience <laughs> at all i thought I was gonna bite my hand off but i was like nine <laughs> so oh. it's fine um the other the other kind of thing that that I'd love to touch on as well is how you guys you know obviously you're in this role and you, your careers are progressing you know and and Gretchen you're you know, president of the American Meat, Meat Science Association and, and Morgan you're involved in the beef audit as well like how do you and why do you progress up like that you know obviously it's the part of it, it's the work ethic but you know on a deeper level like why don't you just come to work and do your job every day instead of just being like you know what I want to do that instead and kind of progress so Individually, I think if you could talk about just why you want to be, you know, at, at a higher level and why you want to progress and do bigger things in the industry instead of just being in a lab and judging me.
2: <laughs> so I think that goes back to growing up and probably the work ethic that mm-hmm. our parents instilled and the things that you you learn along the way and you just it's a passion that you develop and you want to give back and contribute and really be able to make a difference in other people's lives and, the, and make a difference in the industry to positively influence the future. For me that I would say those two things like how I was raised and those values that my parents instilled and then just everything I've ever done I've done it with extreme intensity probably so that that helps uh, because there are uh, you know there there are when you have and you try to find that work life balance those are things we talk about a lot uh, i don't really know what that means doesn't but, exist <laughs> but they i think that when you look at the opportunities and you you just want to take advantage of what is there for and to show other people those uh, opportunities yeah. as well.
1: Well, what's the kind of role of being the president, you know, of, of the association? What does that look like?
2: So as the president, you um, you preside over the board of directors. You, we have monthly meetings. We had our large uh, annual meeting recently we have uh so it's a we we're on a fundraising campaign right now to raise money for it's called meet the future so for talent development as well as uh disseminating science growing our global membership so we have a very uh well laid out strategic plan we have a staff of about five to six um so i have a lot of um weekly conversations or at least bi-weekly with the ceo and but that opportunity to get to interact with those other industry leaders that are on the board of directors or on our development council to raise funds that's one of the really key connections that you get to have so those are a lot of things that i got to do and be a part of it was extra time of course but really enjoyable time
1: yeah. One, connections as well, right, from mm-hmm. being in that role and meeting thing, meeting people and learning new things. And especially if it's, you know, you're talking about impacting not only the, the nation itself, but like globally as well. It's mm-hmm. kind of a big deal, right? Right. Well, one more about you. So, with, you know, with the um, with the audit as well. So
0: the audit is a research project that's yeah. been going on for A long time, and we do it every five years, and we work really hand in hand with Texas A&M and Colorado State to collect data about the beef industry. So, kind of a snapshot of where we're at right now, and we're to the point where we're going to share the last five years. So, what we found, and this is important for. Everybody in the industry, right? So the people that are processing the animals, but also the people raising the animals, because we're able to tell producers, this is what you're raising. This is kind of the goals we need for the next five years. And so... We worked on that really heavily, our graduate students, and it's kind of like everything we've talked about. It's a training opportunity. So I was a graduate student in 16 when we did it, and I learned about it, and now I'm on the other end of it. Mm-hmm. So it's a great training program, too. Yeah.
1: What I mean, what exactly are you auditing? Like, what... You, I mean, you've got plenty of time if you want you <laughs> to dive Yeah, into it. <laughs>
0: <laughs> so it's a it's a big snapshot. So it kind of hap- happens in three phases. Yeah. So the first phase is interviewing anybody who buys or sells beef. So all types types of companies and people, and we're asking them, what are they seeing? Yeah. What do you want fixed? You know, what can we improve? Yeah. The second phase is going in those packing plants and actually collecting data on what's running through those plants. So hide color everything you can imagine we're trying to collect it what kind of ear tags those animals have every little detail mm-hmm. and then what quality of meat they have all of that and then the third phase is bringing all those people together and talking about it and setting goals for the next five years
1: okay so five, i mean that's a lot of data right five it's goals. a lot of data <laughs> was it i mean obviously because the only you know big thing people talk about in the last five years is COVID. did that affect anything
0: it affected our data collection. So typically yeah. we try to run kind of calendar year, So we would have collected from like January to December of 2021. Well, because of all of COVID and everything, it made it a lot longer. We didn't really ask like specific questions, you know, about COVID, but it would come up and oftentimes everyone talked about how resilient the producers were through it and the packers yeah. and everyone in between. So it was constantly that positive message of, when the world shut down, we kept feeding the world. Right.
1: Yeah, it's kind of a big deal. <laughs> you know? uh, so where do we go from here? Like, well, what's next? And what is kind of on the, you know, on, I mean, on your 2023 calendar, you know, we're halfway through the year, what's you working towards? And obviously, then you've got another five years of, of auditing. I guess that's just the project process, but just more day-to-day stuff. Like, what are you guys working on? You know, I see students generally aren't around in the summer, but maybe they are for some of the summer classes. <laughs> like, for people this thing kind of just... Tell us a little bit about what, what, you know, what you guys are working on at the moment.
2: So we, our graduate students would still be here in summer, and they trying to catch up on research because we're obviously really busy with teaching the first half of the summer. And so we're almost wrapping up new student enrollment. So we've enrolled our new freshmen and getting them in. And so we spend a lot of time Morgan and I do with that, uh, but our grad students and catching up on some research. So we have a couple of different students working on different um, freezing versus sawing method and what's most effective and how long and and ideal quality uh, we have a couple students working on different uh color projects so i have a student working actually on a goat project so we're in cooperation with langston and doing that so just a lot of things research wise to catch up and and it's not very long till august and school start over <laughs> and still water will be <laughs> booming again yeah
0: football season
2: mm-hmm.
0: yeah <laughs> Yeah, it's almost time to start classes. And, and like she said, we spend a ton of time teaching. So mm-hmm. that that consumes a lot and then continuing to yeah. do research.
1: Where, where does the love for teaching come from? Because that's, that's another kind of added <laughs> thing, right? Like a lot of people, you know, like I'm a golfer, right? People, you know, they see that I've been sort of successful in golf where I was at. And they're like, you should give me a golf lesson. I'm like, absolutely not. I'm terrible at teaching. <laughs> that's the last thing you want. But people have a gift in teaching and it's, it, I think it's a mind shift as well. Tell me what's kind of your, like, why go into the teaching side of things?
0: I think for me, it's the moment that students understand something. So it's like that aha moment for them. So, and like she said, we have students from all walks of life. So I, I love taking a student that, you know, has never seen a live hog and showing them that, teaching them about it, and then letting them see, you know, everything in the meat lab and even try the pork chop from it, things like that. So I think for me, that's, it's very rewarding. And then when they call you, you know, later and they're like, man, if I hadn't done that, I I wouldn't be where I'm at. Yeah,
2: I think that's the key is what you see the students do and accomplish, and that's the driver behind it. Is when those students really make a connection, they go to industry, they give back themselves, they uh, impact somebody else. That's the motivation, and that's uh, what gets you excited. Um, there's a lot of days that you might not be excited, but it's it's when you see those students that really get passionate, too, and, and really makes an impact. Uh, that's yeah. that's the motivation and excitement.
1: Are the students just from all around the nation or all around the world as well?
2: We have both. You have international sure. students, mm-hmm. too? We do. So yeah. our department, we ha- I believe the count right now is we have students from 44 states. Okay in the department, so almost everybody. Mm -hmm. And then we would have a few international students. Graduate students, we would definitely have international students. Undergrads, uh, just a couple countries.
1: Yeah. I'm thinking of, you know, I'm from Wales in the UK, right? And sheep is big business in the Mm -hmm. UK, so much so that, like, it's, we export so much of it Mm -hmm. that it's actually really expensive for us to buy our own, even though (laughs) there's, I think the stat is, like, there's 3 million people in Wales and 12 million sheep. Like, we're severely (laughs) outnumbered. Um but you know that that's like our business and you know it i can only think of people farming back home that you know mm-hmm. growing up that even if they knew what oklahoma state was they would have a huge opportunity to come here and learn and you know get away from rainy dreary whales <laughs> <laughs> and come to the tornadoes that capital the world uh what, what tell me about um kind of you know t- taking this away from what you do on the day to uh you know you when you grew up kind of in Colorado, mountains, beautiful scenery, um, wanted to be an attorney. Uh, and, and Gretchen, you kind of mentioned rodeo was kind of like your thing growing up. What, I mean, what do you guys do for fun? Like what, what takes you, when, when you have time, you know, you're not researching or catching up. Like what do you guys do for fun?
0: So my husband's family is still heavily involved in ag. That's what he, he works on the farm every day. So we have a lot of goats and students show them. So we go to goat shows for fun, which is probably not fun for most people, but that's what we do outside of here. And then, I I mean, I don't get back home very often, but it is nice, especially in
2: the summer when it's cool there. Yeah. So for me, my uh, husband and I have some Angus cattle. He works for the American Angus Association, so that um, out west of town. And so we're both really passionate about that and raising cattle and, and fitting them ideally, you know, creating that ideal animal. For fun, uh, I actually just started golfing, uh, oh, wow. so we have something in common, except for I'm terrible <laughs> at it, and I haven't been doing it very long. The most
1: frustrating sport in the world.
2: I, I, would, I would tend to agree. Yeah. I don't like doing things that I can't pick up pretty quickly, mm-hmm. and this is not a quick activity. So, uh, he's gotten really into golf, so I decided that was something else we could do together. Yeah. So, I'm trying my best, but it's, it's a slow process. <laughs>
1: Did you play, like, softball growing up or any sports like that?
2: I played a little softball, basketball, mostly running barrels and okay. roping, yeah. you know, they rodeo. They translate, do they? No, <laughs> they don't. No so, yeah. yeah, rodeoing was my sport for sure. So
1: Do you get any chance to do that, like, jump on a horse anytime soon?
2: So, I, I don't. I... When I first... When I left USDA, so I was in Washington, D.C., but when I moved back to Texas, I started rodeoing, running barrels again, and I did that for quite a while up here, and I was just working too much and didn't really have time, yeah. so I haven't done that for a while now, but...
1: I've been invited a couple of times to like that kind of small town rodeo stuff. I right. need to go. Every time I get invited, I have like a golf tournament or some uh, conflict. But this summer I need to go because uh-huh. it just seems like the most fun go, especially like the small town ones, right? Like everyone's kind of sitting on their rails and just watching it. And you're like, this is real America. <laughs> you know, <this> is, <laughs>
2: it is. This is awesome. I don't know that it's the most exciting right. thing you'll ever probably watch. for me. <laughs> I mean, yeah, if I've never
1: seen it before, I'll probably go once just to take yeah. it off the list. So
2: it's, there's, there's a lot of, it's just, it's, unique and it's something to enjoy you know the summertime a lot of times it's way too hot I tell my yeah. mom that I'm like I don't know how he did this all the time <sighs> I cannot stand the heat so but uh
1: finishing up I do have some fun questions uh what is your favorite cut of meat and why
0: a filet, for sure. Okay. I, I don't really like the extra fat, like the subcutaneous fat or kernel fat, so I don't have to cut that off if you have a filet. So that's my favorite.
2: So if they're USDA prime, <laughs> I really like strip loin steaks, New okay. York strips. And if they're uh, maybe not prime, I like ribeyes. Okay. So I would go, I would be pretty much a traditionalist too. Yeah. But
1: yeah. Do you have a favorite recipe? or family recipe that's been passed down?
0: So my mom's family is Greek. Okay. Like my grandpa came from Greece and- it's a Smashing
1: plates yeah. and all that stuff.
0: <laughs> so this is not a beef, but they'll cook a whole lamb, like mm-hmm. open fire, cook it, and it's actually really good. So that yeah. would be a unique meat type recipe.
1: How often do you guys do that as a family?
0: Always on the 4th of July, they would do it. Okay, so so recently, they just did it. Yeah. yeah. And then like at our wedding, they did it. Big family events. It's like the movie, honestly.
1: Well, something <laughs> about, like European, Greek, kind of the one thing that, that I think we need to get back into as a society, especially in the States, is like family eating around the table. Right. And especially in Greece, it's like, you know, you've got aunts, uncles, grandparents, like there's probably 15 to 20 of you around the table. I miss that a lot, Mm -hmm. you know, and we didn't do it too much when I was kind of growing up once a week, we would have Sunday dinner, like a roast, but you know, like I, that's so much fun, right? Get Mm -hmm. away from your phone, just sit around and just tell stories or listen to your grandparents tell stories. Like it's, Mm -hmm. those are memories that last for a lifetime. Do you have any recipes?
2: I don't know about specific recipes because I kind of wing it a lot on things, (laughs) but I really do like to, uh, I like to smoke meat, all, all kinds, um chicken ribs you name it beef items whatever uh i needed a my brother's birthday is today and i couldn't think of anything to get him so i bought a whole tenderloin smoked it yesterday so that's his birthday present so that um there's a few things that i found that i really like to make that are kind of unique i found some a really good meatball recipe that i like um a lot of the instapod is like changed cooking mm-hmm. i feel like so you can do some cool things that way but
1: yeah that's a science in itself right cooking mm-hmm. meats right roasting and, and doing oh that,
2: yes that um barbecue barbecue competitions i mean they've gotten so popular and it's 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 an art yeah. as much as it is a science and i the people that I don't cook good brisket like and to me that is really an art I've tried a ton of things there's some places you can go and learn about mm-hmm. cooking brisket and those people that compete that's really cool That yeah. they and they they have it down and it's it still goes back to you can know everything and it's in the quality of the meat yeah. if you don't start with a good cut you're probably not going to get a good one out so. yeah
1: that one of the places I've been when my parents come into town is we got a butcher barbecue stand in Wellston and kind of they started just as a stand and now Mm -hmm. they have a you know a proper restaurant there and um, you know they won a bunch of awards nationally for smoking meats and stuff and like this is like actual science you know a lot of people buy a Traeger grill Mm -hmm. and they have an app and like that's probably the way I would do it because I'm terrible at cooking but, I mean, just the passion that goes into it and the recipes mm-hmm. and just like the time it takes to do everything, like that's, I'm sure it's pretty soothing. <laughs> A lot more soothing than golf. For
2: sure. <laughs> I do get really frustrated though, when you do something exactly the same and it doesn't turn out the same way though, that is, it is frustrating. Yeah.
1: I I mean, you get to taste great food at the end of it, hopefully. Hopefully, (laughs) yes. Hopefully I'm wasted a lot of meat at the end of it. Or you can feed the dog or something instead. (laughs) It's always used. Uh, Which, uh, moving things on to just Oklahoma State stuff in general, what is your favorite Oklahoma State sport?
0: I guess football. I I don't know. I guess. (laughs) Yeah. You
1: can say you don't have one. It's fine. Well, when I was in college, (laughs) I
0: really liked watching the women's basketball team, and now they're picking back up, Mm -hmm. so I think they'll be really fun to watch in the future, but football, there's so much excitement on campus. I think that's Mm -hmm. the best part, like so many alumni come back you get to see old friends and it's just a, it's a different town yeah. during football games
1: is the parking lot behind us full of like people smoking meats and tailgating and stuff mm-hmm. like, that's the fun part right, right. yeah you, add, you know meat industry exactly. into tailgating and football <laughs> uh, the greatest I think when I came to like some guy was cooking uh, like quail and I was like what is this? He goes, oh, try this. it was like, looks like a chicken wings. Cloud's <laughs> like, wow, well, I'm coming back next game because I want that again.
2: <laughs> so I, I would say, football for the on-campus atmosphere is awesome. Um, I watch all sports. I you don't know, get to watch the golf team very much. I'm a very, I'm an avid Victor Hovland fan. Uh, so that I watched golf long before I played it. So that was really cool. But then the uh the baseball team and the excitement around the baseball team and the softball team mm-hmm. are really cool uh our facility so it's it, the sports atmosphere is great yeah. i know it's it, you know it may not be some places but it's it's unique to Stillwater mm-hmm. and OSU so
1: do you have any um students that are athletes on any of the teams yeah, mm-hmm.
2: so yeah. Mostly football and wrestling. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, yeah. We have football and then wrestling. Of course, we have we do have several on the equestrian yeah. team. Being the department of animal food science. Yeah.
1: yeah. Uh, any finishing up? Any misconceptions about what you guys do? or Any like surprises that people are just like, wait a second? That that's what you guys do. Like, what what was the some of the things that maybe you guys learned when you first got into the job, and and or oh, just misconceptions that people have no idea about that they need to be you know just educated a little bit on.
2: I think the biggest misconception is people, is students will say they'll say, "What are you doing?" and you're going into meat science, and people will say, "Oh, you're going to be an inspector." No, you're you're going to be so many other things you might be an inspector but you're probably not going to be an inspector you're going into there's so many other opportunities so i would say that's the biggest misconception that i hear and see and we have to explain and
0: yeah and and there's little things all the time you know like people say oh i'm eating this no that's not what you're eating but (laughs) i mean at least you know it's meat i guess
2: (laughs)
1: yeah uh well ladies it's been an absolute pleasure um doctors I should say that's awesome uh, I think it's the first time I've ever been in the presence of two doctors in the same room so <laughs> it's a win for me today uh, for people listening if they have someone who has a kid you know son daughter or niece nephew that is in maybe in college or thinking about going to college that does FFA and wants to get into you know just learn more about it like, like you ladies did like you know this is not something that you thought you were going to do until you got here, right? So where do they go? What they, who do they reach out to? Is there a website they can go to learn more things or an open day you guys have? Like, what's, what's the process for recruiting new, uh, new scientists?
2: So we would love for them to contact either one of us. Um, our departmental website where our contact information is is afs.okstate.edu. So that is Department of Animal and Food Science, so AFS. So they can go on there. Our email and phone numbers will be there so they can reach out directly to us. We would be happy to help at any time. Yeah, awesome. for
1: sure. Well, thank you so much for taking uh, some time out of your day. I know you're extremely busy. I really appreciate it. Thanks for the awesome stories. Uh, good luck on the golfing. Uh, and I hopefully, hopefully you get to eat some more full lamb soon because that tastes <laughs> so good. I, that's one thing I do really miss about back home is eating like good lamb stew. It's kind of hard to eat stew right now, but the <laughs> fall I will be eating some. Uh, but yeah, thank you so much for people listening. I'll put the link in the description and we will catch you next episode. Cheers. Hope you guys enjoyed that great episode. Thank you so much for listening. As always, huge shout out to our sponsors, the Oklahoma Hall of Fame, sharing Oklahoma's story through its people since 1927. For more information on the Oklahoma Hall of Fame, go to www.Oklahomahof.com and follow them on Instagram for daily updates at Oklahoma HOF. Our other sponsor, the Chickasaw Nation Oklahoma business down in El Reno. They're also in Bethany as well. So people in the Bethany area know the diffies really well. But if you're looking for anything new, used um, Ford, Lincoln, or whatever, I'm sure they could find anything you want. Um, check them out, DiffyFord.net, and then on Instagram at Ford lincoln This episode is presented by the Choctaw Nation. The Choctaw people have a rich history and a bright future. At the Choctaw Cultural Center, you can take part in a story 14,000 years in the making. Stroll through our immersive exhibits portraying Choctaw life from the moment our ancestors emerged from the Nani Weha in Mississippian homelands to the Trail of Tears, where we lost so many loved ones, and finally to the modern-day tribe making a positive impact on local communities throughout southeastern Oklahoma. Try your hand at our social dancing and stickball and learn more about our vibrant culture through demonstrations, workshops, and classes. The kids will have a blast in our Luxie Activity Center. The Choctaw Cultural Center is more than a museum. It's a living, breathing experience. Visit choctawculturalcenter.com to plan your visit. This episode is brought to you by Hope is Alive. Hope is Alive exists to radically change the lives of drug addicts, alcoholics, and those who love them. Join us on August 11th at the National Cowboy and Western Heritage Museum for a celebration of hope featuring guest speaker Tim Tebow and musical artist Ben Fuller. Find out more and get your tickets at hia10.com. This podcast is brought to you by the Oklahoma Beef Council. On behalf of Oklahoma's beef farmers and ranchers, we want to remind you that beef can be part of a heart-healthy diet. To find heart-healthy beef recipes, go to oklabeef.org forward slash recipes. Link below.
2: Thank you for listening. We are inspired by those around us and hope that you are too.